You're listening to Kindling Conversation with Siobhan Hunt, part of Kindling Kids Radio. Many parents of young children make jokes about the horror to come once our little <clears throat> angels grow into moody teenagers. But all humour aside, having been a teenager, we all know that it's not an easy stage of life, particularly if things aren't so great at home. Imagine what it's like then to open your family and your home to a teenager, to become a first-time foster carer to a 12-year-old boy who's on the cusp of all of that. This is exactly what Sarah Newell and Jane Polkinghorne have done, and they join me in the studio now one year after they became foster carers. Sarah, Jane, welcome to Kindling Conversation. Hello. Thank you. Hello. So why did you decide to become foster carers? Who's going to take that one? Uh, well, I, I'd actually tried IVF about 10 years ago with my previous partner and, you know, that didn't work. And obviously I was interested in having children or, you know, living with children. And so, you know, I guess it was in my mind that it was something that I could possibly do. Yeah, I always wanted to have children and be part of a big family and just never happened for me. And this was just an option we thought about, having kind of known that there was a lot of children out there that needed families and needed care and the age group we didn't really think about the teenage thing we just our family um, well Jane's family we had cousins nieces and nephews that would fit in with the child we got or we're looking for you mean they, they were a similar age yeah we were looking for a child that would fit in with the family we had already so we didn't think about a little kid we were thinking no. about the family that child would come into and to grow up with and also our, our age as well I yeah mean, you know I don't I can't imagine it. I just turned 50. It's like, <laughs> you know, nappies and, yeah. and all that. Kind of, you know, and just we have to work. So we, we just couldn't have a child that would need a lot of somebody to be at home a lot because we just, you know, can't, we just financially can't yeah. afford that. So yeah. again, we, yeah, you know, we needed a child that had some. Yeah, well, we thought some. a lot about what would fit in with our lifestyle, both being artists, both working, you know, three days a week, both like what, what we could manage with what we do and what we need and what we could give, really. And so, in a sense, you actually, well, not in a sense, you definitely wanted someone who was a tween slash teenager. <laughs> well, we said, yeah. we just sort of said any, we were, you know, we, we were open to anything. We were happy to have an older child, you know, we didn't, we, you know, anything older than eight, I think we yeah, might have said. We would be happy to. Eight to 13, Or 14. eight to 14, yeah, we were just mm -hmm. like, you know, whatever. Yeah, and I think they nearly... They fell over. Because <laughs> no one asks that. for a child no, of that age. Yeah, no, we didn't yeah. know that. We just went and going, this is, we'd really thought about it. This is what would work well with our family and our greater family. And we didn't even think about that. That's not what other people would go and asking for. Yeah, that's so interesting. <laughs> so, that's yeah. so interesting. And so how, how quick was the process between you saying we would like a child and three months they just they, fast track they us. shoved us <laughs> because it's so rare and they, you know they have so many older kids that need. in need you know who are living in residential care yeah. houses or in hotels and yeah, yeah the boy who lives with us he his his previous placement had just fallen through so they had couldn't find a placement for him when we just walked through the door yeah. so then we were sort of fast tracked yeah. as a kind of good match for him because he you know his previous carers had been two women as well so they knew he'd be fine with living with two women and so yeah, yeah it just happened very quickly and, like and a lot how, more quickly than we thought i've only yeah. 6 months you know how <laughs> how did that make you feel when it happened so quickly um i don't know for me it kind of felt from the moment that caseworker said to me I think 
I've got the child for you. Like in that first interview, I just, it just felt right. It was just freaky. It just went, oh my gosh, that feels like the child I've been waiting for. And I don't, can't explain it any other way. But from that moment, it was like he was meant to be with us. And they just fast tracked us and we did the training. Um, they visit the house and they do all what they need to do. And we got all the paperwork through and then we got him with and he got dropped off at the house. What by another, <laughs> by another carer. Like, oh, <laughs> you know, it's like we, don't we need to sign something. <laughs> yeah, um, but yeah, no. And he was about an inch taller than us <laughs> at that point. At now that he's point, way taller. Now he's about a foot more than a foot taller. Yeah, he's than grown us. a lot in the yeah. year. Jane, what was it like for you that day when they dropped him off? I don't even really remember that that clearly. We, we met him for the first time. At a kind of picnic for the organisation that we're fostering through before he before came he to live with before us. he came, well on the same day it was the same, the first time we met him was oh, the same that, day that's right. and yeah I don't know it was it's just a very, it's very for me strange. I mean I felt strange I still feel a bit strange it still feels odd to me to have this person in our house really and you know that that I don't feel like I still don't know him in some ways like you, you know a little bit about him but. He's a bit, you know, I think being a teenager is a mystery to himself a bit too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, so... It's, I think it's, it's a know. bit different for me because I felt that instant connection before I even knew him. I didn't even know his name or anything and I just felt this instant pull to him. And I think our foster child and me have that connection and I, I don't know, Jane doesn't have that, but um, we both love him very much. And um, we do a lot for him and, yeah, we care for him a lot. So what difference, uh, you both work, as you mentioned, you needed a child who's a sort of semi-independent at least. What difference has it made in your life? Because parents, when they become parents for the first time, when they have babies, we often tend at their first birthday to go, hey, you made it, well done. (laughs) And officially, you guys have just made it through your first year of (laughs) parenting. So, So what has that year been to you, Jane? Well, a lot more regularity, I guess, you know, a lot more having to, you know, make sure there's food in the house, make sure (laughs) you're home at a certain time, making sure, you know, just that kind of really kind of always being kind of there for him and to help him along because he's, he's just missed out on so much. He's, he's not able to help himself in in a lot of ways. And these children need so much structure. Yeah, they just really need that structure. They need to know exactly what's going on. You can't just kind of spontaneously do things. You really have to. And for me, that's been a big shift because I'm off. Oh, yeah, I'll go out and do that you now. You can't but just now it's go like to that. the beach. You can't just decide that let's go to the beach now. You just can't do that. No. It just has a meltdown. Yeah. <laughs> so, you have to plan everything and like be really prepared. days in advance. And so, you know, yeah. Even to go clothes shopping, you have to be really prepared you know, you have to pre-go to the shops. You have to work out, okay, what you think he might like. Then, you know, organise to take him on a certain day and then go into the shops. And, you know, you have to know where the racks are. You have to know what you think he might like. Then, you know, he's not going to try anything on and then you've got to get out of there and get home. You know, there's no mucking around with kids with trauma. So the preparation and this. You know, it's just the forward planning. Yeah, the for forward planning. I mean, yeah. I mean, I guess it would be like that for little kids too, to yeah. some extent. You know, but I guess you know, you sort of think, I've got, we've got an older child. You can sort of do stuff, but even, even things he likes to do, you still just can't. We just, you know, you just need to let him know he really needs that. Be able to think about it and make the decision, and yeah. like almost like he wants to make the decision for himself to do stuff, which I guess is, 
considering his situation is pretty reasonable, you know, yeah. to kind of position You have to, be to try and plan. So every experience he has with you or your family or is a good experience, a fantastic experience, because you have to remember he's experiencing this for the first time. Even though he's a teenager, even though he's 13, 14, he hasn't done this before in this kind of environment with you, with your partner. So you have to go, okay, how is he going to enjoy this? How is he going to cope with this? What what would it be like for a child who's never done this before in this kind of environment? So you have to consider him every time you want to do anything. It is tricky, but he's, you know, after a year, I must say, he's come so far. He has, yeah. Things are, you know, he's pretty settled now. and Yeah, you just see it in his face. That he's relaxed he's, around the house. And, yep. Yeah. You know, and my favourite moment might seem really simple, but he just walked into the kitchen and jumped on the kitchen bench and just sat on the kitchen bench and started talking to me. And I thought, there's a kid that feels at home. He feels relaxed in your kitchen and he just wants to have a talk to you. And like, so, I'm yeah, up I was going to say, <laughs> I was say for those who can't see, that's a significant thing for you. It is because it means that child feels comfortable and relaxed in your home and it's become his home and that's all you want for that child to be at home. Even though it's not their home, I'm not their parent and I never will be because they have a mother and father. They have other brothers and sisters and other caring homes but for this moment in time, we are doing the best we possibly can for that child. You're listening to Kindling Conversation. I'm speaking with Sarah Newell and Jane Polkinghorn. They've basically come to the end of their first year of foster carers, and they chose to take on a boy who was 12, heading into 13. For some people, that might sound like the trickiest time to invite someone into your family, but we were just talking about the changes that both Sarah and Jane have made in their lives. Um, And in some ways, I think foster parenting, that first year must be a real crash course for you because every new parent sort of walks around with a dazed and confused look on their face. But just as you were speaking then, Sarah, it's obviously meant a huge deal to you just to see his transition, his progression into just feeling like a normal kid. Jane, in terms of taking on a child who you know has had trauma in their past or some trouble in their past, is is that a whole new um, mind frame to sort of embrace for yourself as an adult? Yeah, for me, definitely. Um, You know, I was brought up in a very stable, loving home and, you know, very little kind of trouble at home. Uh, and so, yeah, I, mean, I, I struggle with understanding the effects of trauma. I mean, I, I, in a sense, I know it. I, I can read it and I can understand it. But, you know, internalising that's, you know, it's, it's, you can't imagine what it's like. I and mean, I try to, and you try to think about how difficult it is for him to be, you know, moved around, you know, where, where his fourth set of care is in four years. And you, you can't imagine what that must be like. But I try to, you know, you try to think, well, up to, on top of the trauma you ha- he has just from his situation, just that living with four different sets of people over a very short amount of time, the different rules, the different food, the different expectations of your behaviour, all of that is something I do try, you know, I, I always try to keep it in mind. But of course I struggle with it. But also, you know, I also have expectations of, which is not a bad thing, of, of the potential for what he can be as well. So it's... Yes, he has trauma, but you also want him to be the best possible person he can. So you don't want to just be going, oh, poor kid, he's just got trauma. Well, you know, let's just 
whatever, you know, you want the best for him. So you put, you know, we do push him, don't we, Sarah? We do. And that's what's hard as well, because just when he gets in a comfort zone, we have to push him again, which causes more anxiety in the house and more stress in the house because he's just got comfortable again. And we have to go, okay, mate, we're going to have to push you again. You know, it's just one more little thing that we've got to get him to do. There's that temptation. I know I'm not saying that you guys would be like this, but for me, the temptation for a child who's had a troubled past is just to take them and give them a big cuddle and shower them with love and think that that is going to fix everything. Yeah. When from what I'm hearing, and I'm not that naive to think that is the case, <laughs> but from what I'm hearing, it's it's just tiny little steps and a lot yeah. of hard work. And it's, it's what is most important you have to work on first and let everything else slide. Like I think for the first three months, it was just getting him to clean his teeth, you know, just have a shower because there's just so little self-worth in these kids that they can't even, I mean, yeah, we, clean, could, we couldn't get him to sit at the kitchen table. Six months, couldn't get him to sit at the table to eat dinner. It's just, you know, you just got to pick your battles and go, okay, this is something that's really important to us is to sit at the table and have a meal at the table, no screens, nothing. And that's something he's never done before in his life to sit at the table without a screen. And it's just something that we had a lot of value in and we just pushed it. But that means that every night there was stress at that time of the day and there was doors slammed and he was in his room again. You know, and we lost every night for six months. <laughs> but, now, but now it's great. Now it's just he doesn't, he knows that, he comes and, yeah. he, you know, he, it's, it's fine. But again, it's just that idea of the... That you do, you know, you have expectations of what you want, but then you've also got the person who's living with you who <laughs> yeah. doesn't have, who doesn't know, they don't know that expectation. They've got yeah. their own set of expectations. So, And also they come with little ways of getting around what they want and, and little tricks, tricks to, to, to get used. what they want with all the other people that have cared for them for that 13 years. And it's like, oh, that doesn't work anymore. And so you have to work through all those as well. You have to be very strong. And they're very good at getting what they want because they've had to survive in the system. Mm. So there's a point where you that doesn't work anymore as well. So you have to work through all their little tricks. I, I know that he's, he's older, he's more independent, all that sort of stuff. Yeah. But in all this process, first year of parenting, have you had much time for each other? Because that's no. a big deal. <laughs> no, it's, it's, you know. When's it's, date night? Um, what? <laughs> <laughs> Never. <laughs> um, yeah, you as because it seems like uh, with that sort of situation, whenever there's something challenging with children, you have to be a united front. But at this um, juncture, it also sounds like you both need incredible resilience, strength, mm-hmm. and yet still at the same time have heart and compassion and softness. To a degree that most parents probably don't have to fight too much for because it's innate in them. They've done it forever. They've had their children before and also they, their children haven't experienced what your yeah. child has at this stage. So, I, I mean, how do you manage that, do you think? I think that's what we're working on at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> the next 12 months. Yeah, when, I think so. Date night every month. Can I, can I put <laughs> yeah, that forward on I the think, table? I think so and I think we've been having a few conversations about that just in the last week or so. Well, we just, we, you know, we really, to, to settle him, we've just had to, we've had to invest that time in in just yeah. in him, you know, and in a sense, you sort of have to step back a bit when you first take on a child like that. You really do have to 
put yourself a bit second for a while because they they just need that just need so much. And also for us too, we'd never done it before, so we're learning a lot as yeah. well. That if we were doing it now. There'd be a lot of things that we would, you know, would be easier yeah, for us. Do differently. <laughs> how, how much support do you get from the agency that helps you connect with him? Oh, they've been quite fantastic. Like we've done a few courses, like they send you on courses and it's all for free. And we've done some teenage, like dealing with teenagers, you know. and Dealing the, with trauma. Or something and dealing with trauma. And Do you really have <laughs> friends that are doing something similar? Do you have other adults you can connect with about how they're dealing with it? Not, not really. really. None, no. of our, none of our friends have, have decided to do that at this point. But a lot of the people on the courses aren't foster carers. They're just regular parents dealing with their teenagers. And what's kind of been interesting, or just their kids, as we come away feeling a little bit better because there's regular parents out there that are having more of a struggle. A lot tougher time than we are. Than we are. And, you know, this is not our natural kid and we've just been thrown in there and we think, hey, he's actually a really, really good kid and there's just things that have happened to him, you mm. know, and that's what that's what's really hard. We, I have to say, we did a really great workshop out at uh, Rivendell, you know, out at it's the child... Uh, psychiatric unit out oh, okay. at uh, wherever it is somewhere, but they yeah. they do this. They have a workshop there called the Circle of Security Parenting Workshop, which is really fantastic. And I would recommend that to anyone, anyone actually yeah, who's, who's, got who's, who's, who's got kids, because it just it, it just gives you an insight into how all children behave, uh, and to and to oh, understand God. what they're doing when they're behaving in a certain way with yeah. certain ways and to, to read that and then you get a really great insight into yeah. into their behaviour and it's fantastic actually. Before I let you go, because yeah. I know I could talk to you all afternoon, it's fascinating, but um, what would you say, this is Foster Carers Week. Yes. You guys have, um, as I said, made it through the first year. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. What would you say to people who might be thinking of becoming foster carers? I'd say do it. Just do it. Don't think too hard about it because you're making such a huge change to someone's life. Yeah, and you can really, you have to re- realise how much, there's so many children out there who need, who you know, living in hotels, living in residential care, who really, you know, all they need is a home, you know, a yeah. regular home with just regular upbringing, you know, and that really will make a difference to, to kids, as we've seen, you know, just in the in the year that we've had. Yeah. Our, our boy, what, just, a it's huge, just huge difference. Just huge difference in his life. Yeah, like he is a different kid now than he was a year ago. Yeah, he is. Yeah, yeah, and it was all worth all the pain <laughs> <laughs> because we know he loves us and he knows we love him. What a beautiful place to end. Sarah, Jane, thank you so much for coming in. Thank you for having us. Thank you. That was Sarah Newell and Jane Polkinghorn. They're both foster carers. And if you'd like to know more information on how to become a foster carer, head to our website, kindling.com.au. You've been listening to a Kindling Conversation podcast. We'd like to reach as many parents as possible, and you can help us by giving us a review wherever you downloaded this episode. It means that more people can find us. I'm Siobhan Hunt. See you next time.